Welcome to the Emotioneering Podcast with me, Melissa Curran, the founder and CEO of the Modern Mind Group. We are emotioneering human performance, not engineering it. In season one, we talked about emotioneering the modern mindset and really about those people skills and the expression and the communication. In season two that we're in now, we're going to have topics center around everything to do with emotioneering business results. And that's going to cover creating great places to work, increasing profits, human capital, the people, getting record-breaking results, and world-class employee engagement. I'm going to be interviewing guests that I know are absolute experts in this area, and will be able to share their knowledge, share their learnings on the journey with you and myself. And I'm really looking forward to getting in to all things emotioneering with them. Remember to subscribe to YouTube, to the Facebook page, to Instagram, LinkedIn. And of course, you can go to the website, modernmindgroup.co.uk, and you'll get our monthly newsletter there. Enjoy the show. Today on this episode, I'm absolutely so excited to present to you guys Leanne Eustace. So Leanne is an expert in accountancy and business for over 20 years and has been running her own business, which is Accounted for Limited, alongside her husband, Lee. And they've been doing that together for over 16 years now, um, which is incredible. Leanne, welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. So tell us a little bit. I mean, you know, that's that's a, a big sort of introduction for you in, in what you've been doing and how long you've been doing it for. Uh, and I know that you're quite sort of humble and you don't, you know, shout about these achievements for yourself often. So it's nice to be able to sort of give you a platform uh, to do that and encourage you to really talk about your journey and, and, and where you've come, because I absolutely love everything that you do and everything that you stand for. So, yeah, tell, tell us a bit more about you and, and who you are. Oh, well, Melissa, I think that is probably the nicest introduction I've had. So thank you very much for that. Uh, that's a, yeah, well, very well done. Um, <laughs> no, so I am Leanne, like Melissa said there, sort of founder or co-founder of Accounted For. I've been working in accounts for far too long. You gave away much. It sounds really like a long time, doesn't it? When you say 20 years, sort of giving, yeah, it makes you feel a bit older. Um, but I absolutely love what I do and love helping clients in the situation we've got at the moment. So it has been a journey to get here. And can we start from the very beginning, very brief beginning? Yeah, why not? Okay, all right. So I've been with my now husband, Lee, since I was 14 years old. So very long um, relationship there and a very happy one too. So it's fun. And we we got to learn a lot together and sort of through the road and go go on quite a big journey. Um, So we, yeah. I had a house when I was 16 and had all my own bills and everything that you sort of you don't really know or understand about. So obviously I needed to get a job, um, went through a few little little random jobs and then ended up in marketing for an amazing company that I loved working with. And I loved marketing. It was fantastic. And I had my first article published. And I was like, oh, this is it. I've landed the career I want. This is just amazing. It suits my personality. This is fantastic. And I was the youngest one in their team. And their accountant was really short staffed because their accounts team had people call in sick. So as the youngest one, I got pushed into the accounts department. And I won't even lie to you. I did. I had a little bit of a girly hissy diva fit. I was like, I don't want to be in the accounts. I hate it. I'm not an accountant. I just want to do marketing. I don't want to go in there. Well, I went in there for two weeks and literally I 
well, no word of a lie, I fell in love with accounts, which sounds really sad, but I will still say it now because I genuinely have, I love numbers. So yeah, I switched to the accounts team and I stayed there for a few years and it was still fantastic. I still loved it. So this is definitely something I wanted to do. Unfortunately, they couldn't support any qualifications. So I started looking and at the time on the wages, I couldn't afford to do it either. But in Wales, they had a scheme where if you worked in accounts and you had a job, you could actually qualify for some training. So effectively like an apprenticeship. So I came back to Wales. We moved back to Wales um, when I was like 18, 19. And we, I, well, I got a job and went to them with my proposition and started off as purchase ledger, sales ledger, and literally did qualifications in my evenings on the weekends and worked my way up. Now, at this time, I was adamant that what I needed to be or what I really wanted to be was a finance director of a big multi-million pound company and really make a difference. This is what I can do. And a lot of people told me at the time that I was far too young. And at the time it was, you are also female. So you be a finance director of a large company. Well, I was. I got to be the financial director of a very large company. And it was the most boring job I've ever had. <laughs> and I was gutted because I thought this is what I wanted. But in such a big company, as long as you were making profit, the rest of it was just kind of number crunching you know it was just like are we still doing okay yeah we are any changes I wanted to make any sort of things I was putting forward were almost bypassed because it didn't really matter right now because we're making money um upset I was speaking to because at this time I was also just finishing off my chartered accountancy qualification and I was speaking to my tutor and they were like do you know what come and teach instead I was like, I can't teach. Like, what, what am I going to do? Go and teach? Teach what? They're like, teach the AT. You did it here. Um, you'll be brilliant at it because you're not a typical accountant. So you actually care about what you're doing and you're passionate about it. So I did. I thought I might not ever get an opportunity to teach again. Let's go and do it. And I did that. And it was amazing. It, it just felt like giving back. I was helping people getting people to understand numbers and you know these were people that were ranging from the age of kind of 16 all the way up to you know, sort of adults and you know, 30 40 50 year olds you know it was amazing and that was a real achievement um and I say unfortunately because it's kind of fortunately and unfortunately I helped a lot of people at the time as well do self-assessments and year ends and I had so my friends and family were like oh Leanne I just want to you know talk to you about this I'm like you know, you've just paid your accountant X amount of money. Why aren't you asking them the questions? And oh, I, you know, I don't want to. I'm scared. They're not approachable. I don't understand. I feel stupid. All of these things were coming back as to why they wouldn't ask these questions to their to their accountant. And that that really infuriated me. That was really sad. You know, I found that really frustrating. That you, you know, why would you have a person helping you with something if you didn't feel like you could ask a question about it. You know, an accountant is there to actually help understand your numbers. The more you understand them, the more you can gain from them and the more they can help you. So my kind of client base almost grew and grew to the point where I couldn't physically work full time as a tutor because um, I was in Bristol and Cardiff, as well as working sort of on the side. So I had to make a decision. And at the time, Yes, we had a mortgage, but we didn't have children. So it didn't feel like it was a huge risk to just 
actually go for it and see what happens. So myself and then, well, afterwards, a husband set up accounted for. So that's how it kind of came about. And Lee is, he's so entrepreneurial and he comes up with so many ideas and sales things. And you know, he can see things that I'm not necessarily the strategy. Oh, I wasn't, I probably am now, but I wasn't the sort of strategy mind of, oh, we can, you know, we can grow this, we can do this. And in my head, it was like, okay, well, I could work four or five days a week and I can, you know, finish my chartered and, and get all sorted. And um yeah, it, it didn't happen like that. So we ended up, we, we landed a client straight away who is still a client. He's awesome. Um, so we worked on him sort of three, four days a week. So a, a big contract for us at the time, you know, he took a massive risk by sort of taking us on. And it was amazing. And actually using those numbers to get somebody to understand their accounts and help them and help him grow. And, you know, he's fantastic. He's he's doing amazing now as well. So I feel really proud that we still have that client 17 years later. Um, and yeah, Lee was like, oh, I can grow this. Let's, let's do this. So we we literally formed a limited company and we took on our first employee in 2007, I want to say. Um, who is now actually our office manager. So he's also still with us. And we just kept on growing, growing the business. So, and um, yeah, since then, I think I've probably, yeah, I've had four children and, and grown it alongside it. So it's all good times, good fun. Unbelievable. When I, I think when I, I remember hearing that about you as well, that you had, you had your husband, your four boys, your dogs and everything else and this business you've been running for. I was like, wow, <laughs> this woman is inspiring. And I, I do believe that, Leanne, like like you were saying, I really connect with the fact that you're right. People aren't. It, it's such um sorry, let me <laughs> restart that. What, what I was basically saying there, people are concerned to ask those questions and there is this kind of shame and guilt and kind of fear around money more than there probably needs to be. And especially when you're paying an accountant to ask the questions or to not understand or to feel really silly. And to, you have been that person to me since I met you that you definitely can see that that you're there to help and educate and inform people so that they can feel better about what they're doing they feel confident and and then you're helping them to to see a better way or to a kind of a I don't know you're like the beacon of light in the accounting world I'll take That's that how, <laughs> how I see it. and I mean you know you've the backstory of how we met we met in 2020 as part of a community of women called uh, Inspirational Women of the World that was set up by two people that we know. And then we ended up in a book together. We'd never met each other before we'd started on this journey. And then us plus like 20 other women were in this book uh, together, which is this one for anyone that is watching the video. Awesome book. Um, yeah, it is. Of course it is. Inspirational Women of the World. Um, You know, our stories are in there. Part of the story that you've obviously shared, you've gone into more detail with us here, but, you know, it really is there in black and white that our stories are in there and, and we've shared, you know, our knowledge and, and we started this kind of journey together. But then from that, I invited you to talk at an event um, that I was running for sort of entrepreneurs and, and professionals to talk about money and about, you know, accounts and, and everything that you could share sort of from your experience. And one of the questions that was asked to you is, is it OK to be in a minus when you're, you know, you're, you're in your first year of business? And the way that you answered the question and many other questions on that day just left a lot of people in that group scratching their heads going, oh, yeah, why am I not asking my accountant yeah. these things, right? Do you remember? How did you feel at that time? 
I do. I have to be honest, when I do these things, I love doing them. And so, yeah, thank you for inviting me then. And thank you for inviting me now. Um, But I just answer them honestly and as we go along. So to be honest with you, I wouldn't remember my exact answer to that question, but it probably would have been something like, if you're going to make a loss, make a loss. (laughs) Um, You know, let's not mess around with it. Let's actually, you know, unfortunately, these things do happen when you're setting up businesses the first three years because it does take time. Um, you know, during um, COVID and everything else that's happened, a lot of online businesses had massive boosts straight away and others really struggled. So kind of depends on your scenario and what's going on. But that communication, that's what's key to your business to understand what's going on, not not be scared to have made a loss. But, you know, why did you make it? What can we do about it? Is it going to be like that moving forward? Those would be my questions that would come out of that, not necessarily that this is what's already happened. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And I, I think for entrepreneurs, especially being one, you know, I'd, I'd set up and I was listening to you, I'd set up a business years ago and I was a personal trainer and a sports master therapist and I had this accountant, but like that was was just paying for my accountancy to be done, having small pieces of advice, but actually there was, you know, I didn't want to ask the questions. They didn't seem very forthcoming in, in the way of being able to help and support. And I definitely didn't feel supported at the time. And I felt like this, there was this big pressure in this um, you know, this this weight on my mind about the the financial situation of the business. That was that was years ago. Fast forward. Well, anyway, I knew I wanted to work with you and I knew I wanted you on the podcast, like, and to to see your journey and to help you sort of share your message uh with with everyone uh, with everybody else. Um but it, it is, I think, as an entrepreneur, you especially when you hear about these unicorn businesses or people walk around like with this air of that they're doing amazing in their first year and oh, they've won all these awards. And, you know, and then I remember listening to this woman, and I can't remember who it was, who was saying like they won all these awards and they had like 35 quid and that was it to their name. And they were, you know, they were accepting these awards when actually behind the scenes, it wasn't where they wanted to be yet. And I think you were just sharing that as kind of it's this journey that you go on and if you think it's going to be fast oh you're in for a shock you know um is that what you see a lot of is is that a lot of what happens in the world of do you know a hundred percent um we see clients sort of various parts of their journey and having a business is a journey so we see people during the startup or thinking of starting up just with business plans all the way through to they've got this big established business and it is so it's interesting. It's really intriguing when we're meeting with people and we're going through what's happened. And like you said there, you might see somebody that on the face of it is doing amazing. Look at all this stuff I'm doing. Look at what I've got. Look at where I've been. I'm awesome. I've got all these awards. But actually, the accounts don't always actually show that that's what that's what's happened. You know, actually, this person might be in or the company might be in they might be in debt. They might have taken a loan out to do these things on the hope that actually this business plan is going to move forward. Now, we get people that do it in different ways. So we might have somebody that starts up their own business. So how we did it, for example, is we didn't have any of that debt. You know, for me, it was that you know, I can provide the service and I'm going to grow this company organically. So it's an organic process. A lot of people agree with that. A lot of other people would jump in two feet and, and get this, you know, or have access to you know the finances that are there and be able to use them. So it is really interesting. But I do think that sometimes that facade that people put on, you'd be very surprised and vice versa. Somebody you think, oh, maybe they're not doing so well. Actually, 
they're doing amazing. They're just not shouting about it because it's not their personality. You know, that's not what they want from life. They just want to be able to do their business and, and their thing. Yeah. And I love that. And I'm glad you reframed it because I was thinking to myself, anyone listening to this now, I was not in absolutely any way, shape or form saying that, that they're not credible. It's just that but what people don't realize, right? They think, and especially for people who don't understand business at all, they might think, oh, well, look at them. You know, they're doing this, that and this. And actually, there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of financial weight and things that are happening behind the scenes that, you know, you, the day you plant the fruit, the, no, no, hang on, I let think... me say it again. The day, you put, <laughs> the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Um, exactly. And I think that's that's just something to remember, isn't it? Yeah. And you know what? People don't tell you that. So when you, you know, there was no one really there when I started the business. You know, I had Lee, who was amazing. So there was two of us, which made it a bit easier because we could bounce ideas. But if you're on your own setting up that business, so even me, because I was doing the account side of it, you know, it's a scary process and it's a it's a hard one you know am I making the right decision who do I bounce these ideas from what if it goes wrong you know all these things are on your head and on your shoulders constantly and you know people will lose lose friends over it because people think you've gone mad what are you doing why would you give up a job to do this you know I think that there are people can just be they are entrepreneurs and and other people are not entrepreneurs and I think that's where that kind of category and that difference of personalities fit in and like you say some people so for example ourselves we hit it off very quickly because we've got these sort of a back understanding of what's going on and these things that you know you want to achieve even though you might not have that in writing or as a goal set or anything else and I think you know people just tick differently you know people want different things from their from their life so I think that's a, yeah, it's a really interesting one. But I think no one tells you that that business journey can be not only hard, actually, but also quite lonely. Um, oh, my <laughs> gosh, this week. And I'm, I'm, you know what, I like to be transparent on this podcast. This week has been a big challenge with that for me this week is feeling that way. But if you've got and, and I think there's that, you know, from my own side, I'd give some advice on this is that if there's two things you can definitely do for yourself it's one, get the right accountant, get the right people to be able to ask for help um, if you do not understand that side of it, because it can be a big pressure. And then the second part to that is the mindset piece, having a coach or somebody that understands your world, because you're right, you will lose friends because they won't understand what you're doing you will, you know, it will put challenges on your relationship because you're thankfully with you and, and Lee. And I know it's still a challenge at times, I can imagine in business, but you understand you're going through a, a journey together, even though you're seeing it differently. Whereas for me and my other half, he's like, what? <laughs> he loves you, he thinks it's amazing. But, but also there's this side of things that they don't understand that total responsibility that you have on your shoulders when you do it, right? Yeah. And it takes up so much time. Like you say, it's not just something that miraculously happens. If it did, everyone would have a business and be doing amazing. You know, it actually takes a huge amount of time and motivation and that mindset. So, yeah, business coach, motivation, all of that is fantastic as well. So what do you wish? Um, oh, oh, let me put it like this. What don't people realize about money and their finances that you wish they did? That's a really good question. Um, the thing that probably bugs me the most. So I, 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 I'm going to go two ways on this one, actually. So I've got some little my my brain is just off now. So the first one is that people bury their head. So if it's not quite going to plan or if it's going better than you planned, you end up with either a real kind of 
a lack of cash or too, you know, I say too much, I don't know if that's possible, but, you know, an excessive amount of cash that perhaps you weren't planning to have. And that burying your head in the sand works both ways, because if you don't have money and you maybe get a credit card to try to plug a gap, maybe you sort of just ignore it and hope it's going to go away. Unfortunately, it doesn't just go away. You have to actually deal with it. That causes problems on its own. But so does if you have lots of cash, you're like, oh, amazing, I can go on holiday, I can do this, I'm going to buy myself my new T-shirt, whatever you're doing. And then actually you've got tax bills to pay or there's these little things that you hadn't really thought about. Maybe you've just crossed the VAT threshold and actually you've got this VAT liability that you should have sorted out. So burying your head in the sand is probably the worst way of framing it and the oldest cliche ever, but that's probably my first bugbear with anyone and everyone um don't do it you know, let's face up to it and and sort out what's going everything is resolvable one way or another it will get sorted out <laughs> selling a kidney you know selling we your can kids, sort this exactly <laughs> we can sort this out there is always a way out but you just got to be honest about it you know and actually figure that way out um and then it's probably like understanding so one of the biggest questions that I get all the time I have a year-end meeting with somebody or a tax return meeting so you've finished your year of of trading and we go through the numbers and it's like oh you've made some profit we're going to stick on the profit side of this one Melissa because that's what we're aiming for we've made profit and then the question that comes back from any client is oh but I don't have that in my bank account so for me is there there needs to be an understanding between profit and loss and cash flow because they are two completely different things and I think it's this one thing where somebody and this might be why people are scared to ask the question they go into a question into a meeting with their accountant they're like oh yeah you've made money you owe some tax here you go sign here dot here you know sort services and that's great but if you don't understand it you actually need to know where your money has gone because we need to be controlling that cash and managing that cash otherwise what's the point in in running the business in the first place yeah, this is so true. It's it's many people that are in this and that's why you're sharing this. But I feel like, you know, you're talking to my heart here. I'm like, right, yes, because you're you're totally right. You may understand basic maths. One plus one equals two. Yep. <laughs> two minus one equals one. And then you look at profit and loss and go, well, yeah, so that must be there then. Yes, no, but the conveyor belt has continued to move. Like the way I see the yeah. the, the other stuff has carried on moving. that ship is sailing exactly your account is just taking a picture it's like having a picture at one point in time and then actually the the world doesn't stop because you've taken a picture your world carries on moving you know it's like being on a video isn't it or a film so it's and I think that's the bit that people don't and it's hard to understand you know to be a chartered accountant takes like seven years to do the exams everything else it's not an easy concept which is kind of why I think that would be my second, that, that would be my second point is just to raise that bit. So that's the one that always comes up. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, everybody is doing their business because they want to pay themselves some money. You know, they want to make money and make profit. That's, that's what we're all here, whether you're an employee or an entrepreneur, you're all there to get some money to be able to pay your bills and to, you know, and to live your life how you want to. Yeah, change the world and all that. But these things they do have, that you, like you said, that you can't bury your head in the sand or, push them under the rug and under the carpet and hope they're going to go because because they're going to rear their head or start you know that carpet is not going to it's going to get worse absolutely um and it yeah it's just it's just accepting that and then getting that help isn't it um and yeah I like the way that you explained it there and you know your knowledge and that's it you're seeing this stuff day in day out so people shouldn't feel 
that you know that kind of shame or that guilt oh, to say and hey you know what? that is there's one thing so somebody once said to me and this this kind of scarred me actually it's like oh I, I kind of enjoyed that meeting with Julianne I'm like okay thank you so like should I be worried where are we going with this comment and they're like normally going to my accountant is like going to the dentist it's really something I don't like and it's not fun I hate it and I'm worried but you actually made it quite normal so that I think was supposed to be a compliment at the time (laughs) but that kind of scarred me because you know the appointment with your accountant shouldn't be like the fear you have of going to a dentist the accountant's on your side you know the accountant's there to support you and push your your desires your growth everything else that's going on so if if you've got that relationship at the moment then I think probably you're not looking for a red tape I think traditionally it was sort of red tape services you get your year end you dot here you sign here you submit it you pay your tax you go on and carry on trading for the rest of the year you know that really doesn't well that's not something that we do you I don't think that fits with our clients that's not something that we kind of promote we promote a bit more of a working with our clients so if I know what your goals are and we know where you're trying to head we can help you get there you know so if if you're 50 years old and you're saying to me right now I'm going to set up this business because I just want to retire in five years then perhaps actually you're going to run a business and instead of you know taking dividends and distributing things you're going to pump money into your pension so but if I didn't know that then I wouldn't even be trying to help them you know, have that in place. So knowing your goals and your business and where you want to go really helps. And just being able to talk to the accountant, you know, that's a fundamental part of your business that they should be able to help you move forward in the way that you want to. And yeah, make those suggestions. Yeah, brilliant. Our absolute gold that you're sharing with us today. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listening, sort of having their their light bulb moments. So that's that's absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I mean, we do have to talk about it. And I think it's great to have you on the podcast at this particular time. Maybe it was meant to be, um, you know, at, at this date and time, because I know we'd, we'd sort of changed the dates a couple of times. And, and you know, I'm so excited that we've got you here today. But in the current climate that we have in the UK, the changes that we've had in the last couple of weeks, you know, mortgage rates going up, the pound fluctuating, you know, people have been a lot more concerned uh, about what's going forward. What kind of themes are you sort of hearing, um, you know, on the ground as an accountant? Or what do you think about the current situation at the moment? Do I think at the moment the only word I would say to that is it's quite sad. Um, you know the current situation and what's going on it's sad and it's hard and it's making things harder for you know, people and for businesses you know, it works both ways we're all both at the end of the day if you're a business owner you've got these two sets of finances you're kind of looking after um, we've had we've had both ways um, so people that have they're doing phenomenally well because of the services that they're providing or the products they're providing and the people that have been really really impacted and I think for me, it would just be almost the same thing as, you know, let's not bury our head in the sand. So you know, we know these things are coming. We know these interest rates are coming up. There's, we can't really do, you know, I can't change them for you. I would love to be able to I'd change mine as well, but you know, we can't. So I think I'm going to do a little bit of a referral in here because Martin Lewis actually normally comes up with some amazing ideas um, on how to sort of save money and things and, and money savings. So that's very much geared more at individuals than businesses. But I think no matter which one you are. So how you're structured. So if this is just you as a person and you haven't got any business in place at the moment, or as a business owner, I would go back to the basics. So if you haven't already done it, literally go back and work out, right, what do I think my income is going to be? Be realistic in that. 
you know, I know lots of people want to have this big optimistic number because they set this goal and that's amazing. But sometimes we have to do the harsh reality check. So I would look at it from that harsh reality and hopefully we're going to smash that out of the park. But you know, what is your income? So if you're employed at the moment, you know, I'm talking about your net income. I'm not talking about your gross. I'm talking about the actual cash that hits your bank account. And then exactly the same for your expenses. So go through your expenses. Where is your money actually going? You know, sometimes you might find something you're paying for. Maybe you're paying for two mobile phones and actually you don't know why. Or maybe you're looking at your, you know, your Sky package and you're like, why am I spending this much money on Sky? I don't even watch the sports or I don't watch the movies or why have I got kids channels? You know, whatever it happens to be, actually go through those costs. Are they essential? Do you want them? Can you afford them? You know, sort of really be quite you know, scrutinize where your money is going. Um, you know, and just things like doing a weekly shop instead of doing one one at a time, all those things, they do just add up. You know, no one ever goes to the shop and only comes out with the milk that they wanted. You're gonna come out with loads more. So <laughs> some of the advice I this is advice actually I give to my husband is that if you're going to Tesco because you just want to buy some milk, just take two pounds. Don't don't actually take your whole wallet. Just literally take a little bit because actually then you're only going to buy what you needed and you're going to come out of the shop. So some of it is just, you know, it sounds silly. And I know I've got <laughs> Melissa laughing there because he's terrible. He comes out with all this stuff. You're like, why have you bought, oh, it's two for one. Yeah, great. But we didn't need it in the first place. So, you know, all these things, it sounds silly and they're little things, but those are the things I would genuinely do. And then set yourself a budget or a target it so yeah. you know for myself for example there's six of us in the house it's not a cheap food shop so for me I set myself a budget every week this is what I want to spend and then you menu plan inside it you know so actually you work within your means and that's going to be the same for businesses and people alike there will be a way of getting through but I think if you're not honest with yourself and you don't start looking at making some of those changes it will become harder because cash is you know cash is a little bit tight at the moment in a lot of a lot of the companies that we're dealing with. Um, and then that leads to other questions. So, you know, can I put my prices up? Can I make my sales bigger? Maybe you can, maybe you'll lose some clients. That's kind of a whole other ball game. But you know, after you've done those basics and you know exactly where you're sitting, then look at, you know, what could I do? Can I get more sales in? Can I cut my costs? Can I, you know, maybe if you rented something else or you bought, so... I had one, for example, the other day with the print company, they did some printing and they outsourced their embroidering. While actually, if you bought an embroidery machine, it's going to save you a hell of a lot of money over the next however many months. So maybe it's better to make an investment now than it is to keep on spending out cash. So something that's maybe a little bit outside of the box, but you know it's going to give you that money moving forwards. I'm yes. sorry if that was a long-winded answer. <laughs> what, it's your podcast. That's why we're here. You've got you've got to give us the advice and share your knowledge and your expertise, Leanne. It was fantastic. And you're right. You know, it's like it, it, little things like you were saying about just go with what you need. And I, I was giggling because me and my husband are the other way around. If oh. I he I tell him to go to the shop for milk, he will probably just come out with milk. Um, maybe a pack of biscuits if he fancies a cup of tea. But he were you know, <laughs> whereas I'm the other way around. I'm saying, don't pick up the basket, Mal. Don't pick up the basket. If you pick up the basket, you know it's going to be five times what you were going to buy <laughs> in here. And your weekly shop is not for a couple of days. Or, come on, ladies, the ones that are listed to this, you know this. You turn up on a Friday and you're just going to get something for tonight. 
and the bottle of Prosecco ends up in there and you got some nice chocolates and all oh, you saw a candle that you fancied in the yeah. shop as well. And Sounds like a perfect Friday night, <laughs> setting it. Maybe that it is Friday. We record these on Fridays. That's our that's our plan. <laughs> I've just put it out there now. That's what's going to happen. But no, you know, you've given us some really great realistic advice there to basically look at what is my survival plan. So it sounds like you're saying, look at what is the minimum that you need to survive and to you know do your day to day. Then look at you know that's plan A, plan B, plan C. Exactly. And kind of figure it out from there, because, yeah, it's there's been a lot of unrest and there's lots of things that are changing. We can only control what we can control. And like you said, what we spend and what what we're spending on is, is a great place to start. So brilliant advice for for the audience out there. Like uh, Leanne, really, really appreciate that. So you are running a team. You, you know, we haven't really gone into that. You've been doing, I would hope there's some people helping you after after 16 years of running it. You started off, um, you said about your first person and now you're up to a team of how many of you are there now? We're 20. Wow, this is like absolutely amazing. So tell us about the first person. The first person that you hired is still your office manager that's there now. But yes. like, uh, yeah, so as a leader though, you know, I suppose I'm talking about it more from a perspective of, can we do this? You know, oh, yes, we're going to do it. Like how you felt in the interview process, then you had someone and then how does, you know, this is the emotioneering podcast. So it's kind of the the whole mindset around that situation. Tell us about it. I have to be honest, the first time we did that interview, I have never been so scared because <laughs> you just sort of like go, if I use, his name is Reese actually. So if I use him as the example, bless him, he came to interview with us and he was waiting for his A-level result. So was that eight, eight, 17, 18? I think he was 17. So I'm sure he celebrated his 18th with us. So you know, you've got this 17-year-old lad that's coming for this interview. You're asking him all these questions. I've never been sat on the you know, interviewing side either. So it was completely new to me. So you're sort of there trying to be all professional and actually just I want to say bricking it inside that's probably really unprofessional to say it but you know you'd like oh I don't know what to say what if I say something wrong what if I get it and you know there's the poor, poor person on the other side having the interview obviously they just look at you thinking you are the person you know this is the person that's going to be paying me these wages they know what they're doing because they're you know they're professional they're the owner of the business they're this they're that so all these things are going through my head and I do sometimes overthink things so yeah it was definitely the most emotional time and then making the decision to offer the job you know when you've interviewed a few people how how do you decide you know, you have an hour and a bit to meet these people and effectively, you know, without trying to sort of dramatize it, you could potentially help shape and change their their future and their life. So it becomes quite a quite a sort of um, a decision making process as well. So, yeah, the emotional side of it, no one tells you that that's the you know, that's the emotional backbone of of doing an interview. Um, I will add, though, they do get easier because you sort of, you know, for us now, for example, we've developed a whole sort of like an interview script. We do interview questions. We know exactly what we're looking for. We know that we're looking for that emotional reaction because we've only got that hour to to get to know that actual person. So depending on what position they're kind of applying for, you know, if they're an apprentice, they would they wouldn't be able to answer a technical question, but we can get to understand their personality. So if they've got something wrong, how would they behave? What would they do? So you kind of develop it as you go along. It does become an easier process, but 
it is very scary with the first one and taking on your first employee is such a weight on your shoulders. Um, but it's also amazing because you've got this kind of weight that you know you have to earn the money to pay their wages and they're relying on it and maybe they've got a family or you know, whatever's going on, you know, they've got a mortgage to pay. So it kind of does put extra pressure, but then it also makes you think about, you know, how you're going to guide them, how you're going to train them, what are you going to teach them to do, how are you going to split their job role? So all of these things kind of come out. And I won't even lie to you, when we took on our first employee, we were slightly making it up. I needed help. <laughs> I couldn't do everything myself. So one way or another, I needed to have more me's. So I kind of, you know, we took on a trainee. Um, you know, at the time it was there was money pressure, obviously, but also it was like, this is what I'm good at. You know, I know I can teach people, so I will teach someone to to help. And, and that was the route that we took. So when you can show people and guide them, actually, you can teach them a lot. And that's that's really rewarding. That's more rewarding than some of the other jobs that I have to do every day. Um, so that bit is fantastic to see people as they they grow, they achieve their goals. They, you know, in our situation, they get their accountancy certificates and qualifications. And yeah, it is emotional, but it is also fantastic. <laughs> Well, you must have done a great job because he's still there now. And, you know, he's, when you said I'm helping shape their life. Wow. You've been doing this for, you know, 16 years with him now. So this is well, you know, not, not as long as that, because I know you started out yourself uh, originally. But, you know, up to that amount of time, that is that's just absolutely incredible. So he's been with you for over a decade. Pardon, sorry, you he's been, with you, <laughs> he's been with you for over a decade. Yeah. We just celebrated his 15 years. With so us. That's he's, how he's, soon he joined. Yeah, genuinely, he joined very quickly because I physically couldn't do the stuff that Lee and his madness of entrepreneurial spirit is like, oh, let's get all this stuff to do. And I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, how do I do all this? So we needed some help. So that's it literally, it was very quick. Um, and, you know, bless him, we had, we were working from home. So our house was kind of converted into this sort of makeshift office. So he was in our house every day. So, you know, it was a very, strange probably first job for him as well and it was his first job so yeah we celebrate 18th birthday we've seen him get married become an accountant have children he's very much part of the team <laughs> yeah part of the the accounting for family well that that's amazing but I also loved and just kind of jumping in a little bit into what you were saying there to help and shape their life and I don't I don't I don't often hear people say that. And maybe that's part of you and your personality and your approach and your positivity and the way that you inspire and you think about that development, especially from the sort of teaching side of it. Whereas what I hear from a lot of entrepreneurs is that also that, yes, there's that total responsibility and the risk and you've now got to pay somebody else and the worry of that. But also the, the worry of am I going to be all right at this? And, the, you know, what if I screw it up? What if I, you know, what if I have to let them go because I can't keep them? Or, you know, the um, the whole, what if I make a mistake? What if this person is an absolute nightmare? What if they're Jekyll and Hyde? You know, these and things come have up. That. Yeah. We totally have that. We have had that. But I think with that, it is a, you know, at the end of the day, you wouldn't be where you were if you actually couldn't do it. And you know, really, you can do it. You're just worrying about all the little things that you think you should be worrying about. So, you know, I think the answer for that is, you know, I did, I just made it up. You know, how would I want to be treated as an employee? And what would I want to hear? And and I knew I could train him. So the actual, the actual working with him was probably the the hardest part, almost pretending to be that person that knows everything, because obviously you are in his eyes. And actually, really just, yeah, winging it. 
winging it a little bit with the emotion side of things and you know when things go wrong unfortunately you will have to you know um sort of you you will have to we have so one of the hardest things for me with employees because we've gone to 20 now so we've had a few rotations of of staff as you can imagine we've had people qualify and they've gone on to you know work in international businesses or whatever they want to do everyone's got their own things and I think that's probably the hardest thing for me is that sometimes you you take it personally and actually it's not it's not really meant personally but it's very hard to separate yourself when you've put so much into that you know that kind of that relationship if you want to call it that um so I think that does become very hard to separate and almost detach yourself a little bit emotionally um and then, you know, I've gone the other way as well. So I've gone to the point where I'm like, right, do you know what? I am now, I'm detached. I am employer. This is, this is me. But I can't do that either because it just doesn't work <laughs> because that isn't actually my personality. That's not who you are. So it doesn't, it doesn't work. And then it becomes where I'm trying to be this sort of like, you know, yeah, I'm going to be quiet on this. I'm not going to give an opinion. And, you know, just the banter in the office, just the general conversation. You know, unfortunately we are, we are all at work and yes, I am the boss, but I'm also in the, in the office talking to people. So yes, I am human. And I might say something that someone doesn't like one day and that might cause a, you know, a rift, but I think you just kind of have to deal with those as you as you go along and just try to remember your values and what you're actually trying to achieve. And people will come and go. And And it's that balance that you talked about, isn't it? That's that's what you're basically sharing there is that you you were so this way and so invested in their personal journey. And you were like, they're my heart, my soul. And and plus, because you're a trainer, right, and you're, you're the teacher that's kind of passed on these skills. You're like, oh, but I brought them up to this level. And I, I know what that feels like because it's like I've had someone in my business that I trained and they, you know, they they know how to do something as quick as me now. They know how to do it. And then I'm like, ah, now they've had to go. And oh, like yeah. I didn't want that. And now I want that. And I'm concerned. I'm thinking about them and they're no longer in the business. And I'm like, are they good? Are they good? What are they up to? You know, and I think what you've said there is you, you're that way. Then you've gone completely the other way and gone, whoa, hands off. But it I is a balance, right? Emotioneering, that's what it's all about. It's about basically saying, well, I am a human. I am going to have these emotions. But managing how we do that process and how we re- – what I love about what you're sharing with us as well, Leanne, is your ability to reflect. And, yeah, you might wing something, but with the best intentions, and then you're learning from that. It's not like you continue to not now have a recruitment process. And I think that's where people make a mistake is that – they see this revolving door happen and then they're like oh but it's them it's not me when actually we can look at the process we can make it much better you know uh, just to anyone that's out there now just to give a couple of stats on recruitment while we're on this um and we're, we're sort of talking about it on average your turnover of staff should be about 10 percent a year if you've got a team that's normal that's the average the industry average if it's lower than that, you could have an accountability problem where you're not actually holding people to the fairness. You're not actually, um, you know, driving the standards of the quality for your business in terms of performance. And if it's way higher than that, you've either got an economic downturn that, you know, there's things that are, uh, that are out of your control that are happening or there's some challenges with with leadership. And what I mean by that, you know, maybe between 10 to 20, it's not so much of a concern, but if it starts to be kind of 20, 30 percent plus, and this is a recurring theme and you're doing exit interviews and finding out these certain things that are happening um, and they continue to happen, then there's a challenge for, for operations to change as well. But there's going to be things where the, the Jekyll and Hyde situation happen, even when you follow a process to a T, because you're like, what? How did this happen? Because, well, it's it's 
it's all well and good saying what it's going to be like until you put them in the water, right? We don't know what it's going to be like. And what is that? There's that phrase, isn't there, um, about, you know, the potato and the egg. You know, you soften a potato in wa- in hot water and with an egg, you you make it hard boiled. Like the, the, the environment, but also the personality mix and their skill can really depend on what you're going to get an egg or a potato or something in bit in the middle maybe you make an, a potato omelet I don't know um but <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this analogy but the point being is is that you know you you've learned from what you've shared with us already you've kind of learned uh sort of along the way um and would you say then because I was going to ask this question a little bit later but we might as well go into it now would you say that that having that kind of um that line between you know and that challenge between how you feel in the business has that been your biggest challenge or have you had another um, sort of bigger challenge with the, with leadership and and sort of growing your team. I think the only other bit is so that that is a massive issue for me because I do I wear my heart on my sleeve, which is kind of a good thing and also a really bad thing depending on the situation. Um, but I think the only other thing that is really difficult is letting go or delegation. So delegation is definitely one that was probably the last thing that I've learned. So even if you if you stick to kind of looking at the recruitment process, you know, I was very heavily involved in all of that. You know, why why are we going to employ somebody if I don't know who they are? I need to be in the interviews, I need to do this, I need to do that. Well, actually I don't need to. You know, actually maybe I want to stay in the second interview, but if I'm not going to physically be you know, training that person anymore, or I'm not going to physically be working with that person, or we've got a manager in place already that would be training that person and making sure they think, why aren't they having an input into this person that we're employing? So that sort of changing, I don't know how to describe this, I'm sorry, because I'm going to fumble with my words. But I think sometimes you've got a lifestyle business. And that might be maybe just yourself or a couple of employees. And it kind of you can almost sort of glide through and I use winging it. I use that lightly because obviously, yes, we all learn from that. We know what's good, what's bad. And obviously we want to do all of that completely correctly. Um, But you can sort of be quite relaxed about things. But then you get to a point. I don't know exactly what that point is. I'm going to say like five, 10 employees where all of a sudden, you know, it's not fair if this person is allowed to have holiday, but this person hasn't. And then, well, what if all five people want to have holiday at the same time? I've got no team left. So you have no choice but to put in rules and to put in kind of things that you think are going to be fair. So for us, you know, I still treat us very much as a small team. So, you know, we're allowed three people off on holiday at the same time, but we then have to worry about what department they kind of work in or have we got cover on that? Is that going to be okay if those two people have it off together? I can't physically manage all of that stuff myself. That was a really hard lesson to learn because that's probably one of the last things that I've actually let go is that sort of, you know, that that HR, that office management, that connection with the whole team. But putting a system and a process in place actually probably means it's it's probably done better than than myself. You know, I hate to say that because that's that's not what I want to say. But, you know, actually it is because you've got two people having those opinions. You've got a system you're following. So when I was doing my interviews and I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, I say it back then. I mean, like, you know, all those years ago, how do we decide? You know, how do we know what kind of? And now you've got these kind of actually, you know, we record them if they're online. So you can go back and you can directly compare. You can look at the answers. You can pick up on those things that you know, okay, they got this question wrong. This is how they reacted. What if they like that in in accounts? And accounts makes it 
I say easy, it's not. But, you know, if I put some numbers in front of somebody, which we do this, we give them questions of, of calculations that they have to do. And we put a time limit on to add that pressure. Now, we have had people in the interviews that are like, oh, I'm not doing it. So like, OK, well, OK, well, we're not going to go any further than if you just won't do it, because obviously that pressure then is just too much. Well, that's great, because I now know that under pressure, you're you're going to fail. You're, you're not what we're looking for. You've got other people that are just you know, they're doing their best. Maybe they don't finish it. They get a score, but they, they work their through work their way through the questions methodically. And you've got others that if they think they've only got a minute to do something, they'll guess the numbers again. Don't guess the numbers. Why would you guess numbers? This isn't this isn't <laughs> this a, is an accountancy. This business. is an accounts practice. Don't guess my numbers. So we get, all of a sudden, then just those one set of questions, you can look at them so differently and instantly start to be like, actually, you know, this one's not going to work. This one's going to be a problem. This is what we've got to work with. These are the results of these people. So you know, just sitting back, like you say, sitting back and kind of assessing what's going on. How can we judge this better? How can we make an opinion? How can we assess? That's across everything in business. Systems and processes are so important and they'll be able to do it better than, you know, if you haven't got a method for that interview, how do you know what you're going to say to each person? What if you forget to ask a really key question? And, and even if it's a really simple process and you're so right, like I, I do help my clients to do this. Standard operating procedures are your best oh, practice, they're yes. your best practice. But getting them done is the challenge. It's like, oh, but it's in my head. Yes, yeah. but we, we have to get that. We just have to put it somewhere, even if it's a step one, two, three and four. Just for now, let's have something that if, God forbid, you could not get out of bed tomorrow or something else happens, someone could go, ah, let me just I've got something I can I can just follow a little bit of an instruction. There's some advice on here. We can't go too far wrong. And I mean, let's talk about one of the biggest franchises in the world that does this. Do you know what company I'm going to say? You're going to say McDonald's. I am going to say McDonald's. <laughs> They're in the happiness business. But you know, um, it's awesome. You know what you're getting every time you go there. Yeah. But but also it's to to remove that, remove the time, remove the, you know, as as much um it's the fail safe. The, the fail oh God. <laughs> the fail safe option of, you know, we have a bit of a process and therefore we're giving everybody opportunity to learn every single day from it, but we're also keeping things fair and we're keeping our quality great for our clients as well as our internal team. So hats off to you that you got to that point and that you have, you know, done that within your business because there's also this what I find when I'm working with sort of early entrepreneurs or or earlier sort of um professionals is they don't know when that line happens of well when do I start to document this stuff well just think if you're going to take somebody on in the next six months you've got to start documenting that pretty much now because 100%. what are you going to do when you, you're hiring them and they're coming through on Monday and now you're like oh my gosh yeah I have to pass on this information to them otherwise you're going to do their job and pay for it <laughs> Like yep. you were talking about delegation, 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 but SOPs, uh, standard operating procedures absolutely help you for sure. Um, would it, you know, we're talking about the side of recruitment, we're talking about the fairness, know, everywhere. The delegation, <laughs> but also I know behind the scenes, because we've had many conversations um, that you run some pretty amazing initiatives, even though you might not say so yourself, but they are great that you, you know, you do for employee engagement, to look at the culture within the business. What are some of those things that you can share with our listeners today? I'm going to share my favourite one. Okay. And that is, we don't work on our birthdays. 
Amazing. Because who wants to work on your birthday? Nobody. Nobody wants to work on their birthday. So our team don't. <laughs> we have an extra birthday day off, which is not a, a holiday. It's just a gift from, well, I guess really a gift from me and Lee, a gift from the company that is literally a, you you can celebrate your birthday as you want to. You don't work. Oh, End of story. That's amazing. No, I really love that. Because, yeah, having cake, having, you know, maybe just going for a cut and blow dry on your birthday. Yeah, whatever. you like, do whatever oh. you want to do. Exactly. I don't care what you do, but you don't really want to be sitting at work. Not really. Let's be honest. So we tend to the day the day before we tend to the office all has cake and we have a nice little you know, happy birthday. And then, yeah, they have their birthday day off. That's probably my favorite one, because it was one I always remember being really a bit miserable, actually, about having to work on my birthday or finding it a bit hard. that Oh, it's my birthday. And I really wanted to actually just have a bath or whatever it happens to be get my hair ready for later on you know I, it doesn't matter what it is does it it's actually just the fact that it's your time and your decision so we have that one um a bit more of a serious note then we also sort of do a we kind of do a bi-monthly um reviews okay. so every two months um we actually sit with everyone on an individual basis we use a software um charlie hr um i will plug them because actually they're they're awesome um, and we use them for the holiday management. So everything is all online. Everyone knows where they are, when they can take time off. But we also use it for the review process. So we've got the reviews that are set up, which are, like I said, bi-monthly, where you can go through anything, you can raise any concerns. And we've just found that by speaking to everyone on that individual basis, sometimes if you've if you've had something that's bugging you. So one of the things that was bugging my team recently is the laptop. One of the letters on the laptop wasn't working. Um, and that's something that, although it sounds really little, that would really start to bug you after a while. Yes. So we would much rather if, if they're not comfortable, you know, they actually were comfortable just bring it up there and then because it's like, I need this fixed. This is annoying me. But we've got other members in the team that are not that vocal. So for them, if something like that was happening, I wouldn't want them to go longer than eight weeks before they thought that they could sit and actually tell us something that's going on. And they will type things up as well in there. So that works really, really well. And um, one of the team, so one of our managers runs that for me. I think it's kind of nice because it's added this extra layer. So people, you know, the team are a bit more honest and maybe talking to me directly sometimes. Because, um, you know, as much as you try not to be boss lady, sometimes that does obviously figure in people's heads because it is what I am you know again a hard one to sort of come to terms with emotionally but you are this boss lady you are scary even though you think you're not um so you know we have built one of our one of our team one of our ancestors those and they work much better because people are honest and those silly things are sometimes the things that if you don't sort them out long term you end up with these massive issues where actually was never a massive issue in the first place it's just this little tiny thing like a, a key on a laptop which could have easily been sorted out. So we found that, yes, sometimes giving that sort of one-to-one chance for people to talk to you outside of the office about how they're feeling, how they're doing, how they're getting on. Um, And we run, we call them accomplishment lists. So it's almost like a checklist of, so if I use the easy one of a, um, apprentice, we have an apprentice come in when they come with us, they, they, they don't really know anything. Um, I say that that sounds really horrible. They obviously do know lots of things, but about the process that we have, they don't know how to do a bank reconciliation. They might not know the account software. So we have a whole big list. And I think there is about 30, 48 jobs or something stupid on this list of things that actually within the next year, doing your AAT level two and this checklist that we have internally, 
you should be at this level within 12 months. So our team knows exactly what they're walking to, working towards and they know what they can check off. So maybe there's something that they feel that they've achieved in the last two months and we will tick it because, yeah, you have. You can do that competently now. Or maybe there's some feedback and we know that we need to say to that team member, look, I know you think you can do this, but unfortunately we have to you know, work on this a bit more or we found that this is what's happening, so we need to address it. So it kind of gives that two-way communication. And because we've got that check checklist, again, it kind of takes out the you – know, it's not a personal vendetta. We're not having a go. We are just working towards this list that we've got. And you knew that list when you started with us. You've known it. from It's very transparent what we do. That works really, really well um, because it just it guides the whole process. And people get obviously motivated. They've got a list to tick off. They're motivated to tick that list because they want to achieve and get to the next level. So that one works really well. You've shared some absolute blinding points there. They're just absolutely great. First of all, the birthday thing, like what people don't understand so much in business is that how important those life experiences are, right? Even a birthday, actually making a fuss about a birthday, even if it's just a birthday card or a message or something that goes out of your way to remember that that's happening and to even give them a day off. Like that makes an absolute massive difference to that person. So that's amazing. I'm so glad. I'm quite jealous um, that I think I should speak to my own boss. <coughs> that's me um, <laughs> to, get, <laughs> to get my birthday off. Um, the the Charlie HR situation. I'm actually going through this with a couple of my clients. So obviously performance falls in, you know, and, and people operations falls into this and the ability to to to. There's so many tools on the market. Um, yes. There's so many out there. Um, and also what I find is that some of the tools and software that you have, uh, especially as before, I'm, I'm reviewing so many of them. And one tool for one company might be really super amazing. And then you go, oh, well, we'll just add on this branch bit of what, the, you know, the, the extra bit of software. And then you find out that is the most complicated just because they, they do this really, really well. But then something's happened with this other thing to do with reviews, yeah. for example, to do with performance. And it's like, well, that's not um. So I'll pick your brains about that definitely after this, <laughs> after this call, well, this, uh, this interview, um, because it is right. You know, we, there's tools that can help us and can support that process. Having the review process take place. Um, people, people who have a review process, one, they're going to feel more listened to. Absolutely. Like you said, and they're going to have that. They're going to feel much more connected to what they do into the company. And that, that is a care and compassion. But also they are people who do, who have that. And then they set goals. They are 150 percent more likely to achieve something that somebody that that compared to somebody that doesn't have that one-to-one or that individual process and if you write a goal down you're 80% more likely to achieve that goal because you've communicated it you've put a date on it and you've said when it's going to happen I so love what, those statistics they're amazing awesome. aren't they well that's why you're having an uh, amazing results in your company I'm sure but the accomplishment list that you talked about that um coupled with the, what you're basically talking about is expectations and competencies isn't it exactly, you should yeah. be competent to do this at that level but then what that's doing is it's breaking down those perception gaps for those people in that team to understand, you know, we, we all either we overestimate our abilities, we underestimate them. We think we can take on feedback and we can't or we're not open to feedback at all. Right. Those are the four kind of personas that we have. But to have somebody that as long as you have that relationship with them, whether it's yourself, whether it's the, you know, the operations manager or the office manager or so, whoever it is, their line manager, their connection. As long as you believe that there's trust, that person cares, 
you know, and that you can then share that information with them. And it's black and white. It's like you said, it's from the beginning. It's not like, where did these rules come from? Where does this competency level come from? They've been educated from the start then it starts to change the whole world that you're in. So I'm not surprised that, you you know, you've got 20 people in your team and that you've got to that level, because even just those those things which make a massive difference. There's a lot of businesses out there, Leanne, that don't have those in place. Um, so well done to you and your team and to what you've been doing and, and to be able to share it with us today. Thank you so much. You're talking from the front line. You know, you're doing this day in, day out. Yeah. And, and it has been learned as we've gone along. So, yeah, I'm going to take that as my win for the day. So. Yeah. <laughs> you can buy yourself a bottle of Prosecco. Don't, don't pick up that basket, though. <laughs> um, so with with everything that you know in business as a leader, in the accounts world and everything that's going on right now, if you had a magic wand right now, what would you change? Oh, my goodness. That's a that's an amazing question. What would I change right now? Oh, do you know, I don't actually know because this is going to sound really terrible and I don't want to be judged for this, but I genuinely believe that everything happens for a reason. So sometimes you're going to go through things that are really hard and they might be negative, but I genuinely, and this is just a personal opinion, so please don't, you know, don't be writing into Mel that, yeah, this is not good and we don't like these opinions. Everything that's happened in your past has shaped you to be the person that you are right now and how you behave and how you are emotionally. So I don't think I would want to just magic wand everything and make everything completely better, you know, make sure that everyone has loads of cash and we get rid of all these problems and the crisis. You know, there's loads of things I wish would be better. But actually, I think if I could do anything, I would just, this is maybe the accountant in me, I would make people understand their numbers, no matter what position they're in. Because, you know, if you... If you're an employee or if you're just starting out a business, if you don't know how much you're spending and how much you're receiving, you're already in the dark. And that's that's not helpful for anyone. And it's a really scary thought. And if that's a negative number, you know, please talk to someone because it's not, you know, we've we all know sort of mental health and well-being and everything else. And I think the statistics on suicide are actually some of them do relate back to finances and not being able to afford things. And I would hate for that to get worse with what's happening in the economy at the moment. So I think for me, it would just be making sure that anyone that's feeling like that actually does reach out to get kind of you know, help on their numbers and make sure yeah. that we can get this sorted. Do you know what? I, I, I'd back that up 100%. You know, it, some of my darkest days have been related to finance. Many years ago, you know, not yeah. understanding my own personal finance, making some you know, catastrophic decisions when I was younger, maybe, you know, for, for many different reasons. But it's hard but it's, though, isn't it? Because like even now, you know, okay, we're coming up to Christmas. So I've got four children. Now, you know, I'm quite thankful that my kids are quite grateful for the stuff they have. So usually the stuff they ask for isn't absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, I know people that, you know, they put a thousand pound aside per child for Christmas or they, you know, their kids are asking for these designer clothes and this and that. And then it becomes this kind of social thing, doesn't it? You know, oh, what did you? Oh, I bought this and I bought that. And, you know, I think it's called Keeping Up With The Joneses, isn't it? That whole sort of scenario. You know, I just, yeah, that that just needs to all all go. You know, do you, don't do anyone else. And yeah, I think I'd be on that side. Social proof, the whole Instagram, seeing what people have, only seeing, you know, you're only seeing the tip of the iceberg and you think that they have all this. And what I find very interesting is once people do have money and once they go through this, I was even listening to Stephen Bartlett talk about it the other day. And he was like, 
no, I don't like to, I don't want a Louis Vuitton bag now. And I don't want this. And I don't want to be associated with these things. I just, what do we need that for? You know, once you're you're at a certain point or once you've got part, you, you realize that all those things that you were thinking about or you thought you needed, you know, there's a love and there's a want. And I'm not, you know, if you want your Louis Vuitton bag and you can afford it and you love it and it's going to make you feel amazing and you really want it just for you. And it doesn't really matter. But if you're doing it for a status symbol or something and you're getting yourself into more of a mess because of that. And I've been guilty of it. It's not like I'm I'm talking from, oh, holier than thou. No, hey, we've all been that. guilty of it, me <laughs> included. You've made wrong decisions or paid something on a credit card. And oops, shouldn't yeah. have probably done that. <laughs> what have I done here? But I, but going back to the whole, you know, the the whole sort of uh, mental health and suicide thing, you know, the bankruptcy, financial support, there are rules and regulations in our society that are there to help us for that reason. 100%. That when it gets to that point of there are, you know, especially to those that may be really facing crisis right now, and we haven't, you know, and we we've had, you know, we've had some jovial moments in this in this podcast, and we've had some really, you know, pearls of insight. But I do think we we do need to support that. That if you are listening and it is that you there are people you can call right now and just reach out to someone because that is why the Citizens Advice Bureau is there. That is why, um, you know, um, uh, debt plan advice is there. These places exist because exactly. nobody your life is not worth your, your your financial problems or the shame or the guilt of what is going on. Absolutely not. I think that sort of leads me back to, you know, when you sort of talk about wealth or, you know, how rich are you? And one thing I always I always tell my children, because I really try to educate my kids to understand what's going on. They know what profit is. They know what income is. They know how much things cost. This is not something I hide from them. Um, but when I was talking to them, I was like, well, it depends on what you're you're measuring as wealth. Because actually, for me, the one thing throughout the, the whole business, actually, that it's probably been a story that's stuck in my mind for a very long time. And it is quite an emotional one. But we worked with a client who is the wealthiest client I've ever worked with. However, that person was also the loneliest client and loneliest person I've ever met. And I think for me, when people say to you, oh, you know, family and friends, they're your riches. And, you know, you've got all this stuff. Actually, it's more true than you ever realise. Because this person that I would refer to, you know, they have more money than they, you know, they, they, there was nothing else they could want. Exactly what you said there. They've gone through the whole process. Yeah, okay, maybe I want a boat. Maybe I want a house. Maybe I want a holiday home. All these things. You sit there and imagine, don't you, if you won the lottery, you can have all this stuff. Amazing. But actually, the reality of that, I think, can be very different. And I think that you know that whole emotional side and staying grounded and knowing what is important around you is just as important as the money, yeah. if not more important, actually. Money comes Much. and goes mic drop moment from you there <laughs> love that um so let's we I've given you a magic wand I'm going to give you something else uh, I like to do in this podcast and it's uh, <laughs> it's a crystal ball uh, so if, you, if you were to and I know some people say don't make predictions but you know if you were to make a prediction maybe about the accounting world or about the business world like in the future what what would be one of your predictions or what do you think might happen in the future well, there's loads of stuff going on in the accountancy world, so I could bore you with lots of details. But I think ultimately, HMRC are making all these changes. And what's going to basically happen is that everyone's going to have to report and I think pay their taxes quarterly. They haven't announced that. So that is a, a hypothetical thing. But I think this is what's going to happen. So for me, I think everybody is going to become this digital cashless kind of society. And so 
not knowing your numbers is not going to be a a thing. They're going to be there. They're going to be available for everyone to have a look at because all your bank balance, yeah, we're already online banking, aren't we? And things like that. It will become where your accounts are done on a quarterly basis. They get submitted to HMRC. You have to face your reality. So I think that's kind of my crystal ball and what's going to happen. So I think the people that are going to do really well are the people that kind of you know, prepare for that. So already going digital, already understanding their numbers and actually built their foundations and from what we've spoken about emotionally and financially have these nice solid foundations because I think anyone at the moment, there's so much opportunity, you know, even just, you know, your marketing, it's so much better now than what it was 10 years ago. You know, you've got so many more platforms, you've got so many different opportunities. I think that there's a lot of opportunity to make a lot of money. I don't think people really have a reason to say that, yeah, we, we can't earn more money. We've got a business that's not going anywhere. I think there's lots of different things we can try. So I think for me, it would just be, I get those foundations in place and crystal ball would be to, yeah, follow, follow your dreams, guys. Yeah, love that. Aspirational. There is, there's, there's something on that point that I was thinking about the other day. I remember when I was on the treadmill or was walking a dog or something. And it made me think, especially for a business account, why? If you buy, all right, I get it if you pay with cash, right? But the chances of you paying for something with cash, especially for a business right now, is very, very slim, right? There's, yep. well, maybe you, you'd know more than me than that. Why can't it just automatically populate a, a receipt? Why isn't there some kind of software I, there? Yeah, and I think there probably will end up being that because at the moment, large companies, you can you can speak to large suppliers and you can import yeah. the invoices and things like that. So that's there. But I think people are just a bit scared of it. People don't, you know, because even for us, you know, we've got account software and you can have bank feeds. So instead of having to print off your bank statements and take them into the accountant, we just hook it up basically and it just speaks to each other and the just get imported into our account software doesn't mean we have access to the bank doesn't mean we can make payments or steal all your money and I think that's what some of I think sort of the backdrop of to this is like well why am I going to give you access to my accounts like, well you're not actually giving us access we're just able to almost read it that's basically what's happening so I think that's just going to get more and more where everything is just readily available so using softwares using procedures standard ops all of those things I think will just become a greater way of of actually making your business some somebody told me the other day and I'm, I'm going off now and I my little brain goes off in all these ways but somebody told me the other day is that if you are still working in your business have you actually got a job or are you running a business oh don't make me cry Leanne me? so if we've got all these standing <laughs> operating procedures in place and the business ran without you in there then actually you've got a business that runs. And I think that's the that's the key. That's what's in my head at the moment is that, right, okay, if I did, I could run over by a bus tomorrow, would everyone still be okay? And that's why those standing operating procedures and those foundations are so important. So I think, yes, they take time and yes, they can be a bit boring and it's in your head and you've got to write it down. Write it down while you're drinking that Prosecco on the Friday night. In the bath, do it. You know, use your notes on your phone. Use your IT to sort of actually help you and support you and, and, and get that done. So, yeah, that's random crystal ball answer <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it started my brain going because now I'm thinking to myself but imagine even just even for your own personal right like uh, one of the things that we use in a tool that you recommended to me actually is dext right yep so it has an email address and I can just email stuff to it and it populates my receipts for my business brilliant okay but what if that was just something what if that just happened for personal 
for your personal money but don't forget you can use i'm going to plug some bank accounts Mm. now that you've got starling you've got revolt and you've got like monzo if you use those they're very much they're online kind of banking only there's not really branches i think you can use the post office stuff but it's not for cash businesses Mm -hmm. as such but when you spend your money and do everything electronically, it will tell you. So it will actually categorize. I've got a starling on here. I can look at what the categories are. Um, it literally categorizes your money. So my personal things, it tells you um, if it's groceries, if it's transport, if it's income, eating out, holidays um, and payments. So like my kids basketball subscription there, look, just comes <laughs> for a payment. But it will categorize it. And actually, it shows you like a little like a little thing like this. There we go. That actually categorizes it. So if you're thinking, you know, I haven't got enough money. Where's my money going? And you look at this like, oh, my gosh, Leanne, you have spent £100 on takeaways this month already. Get cooking, my lady, because it's going to be much cheaper. There we go. <laughs> and that's what do you know what I'm going to finish that with? Somebody said, just save. (laughs) (laughs) Don't just eat, just save. Um, Yeah, no, brilliant. That's yeah, you're right. So we will see these things, and we maybe we'll come back in a few years' time, Leanne, and come back to the podcast and say, look, that would be awesome. Look at all these things; they're all there. They're there. Um, I mean, we haven't touched on it, but I know it's something that you're really passionate about. So I'm going to come on uh, and come on to it a little bit. You know, we talked about people not knowing their numbers. Yes, if you had, you know, the magic wand, you'd want them to know their numbers and and understand. We both grew up in a world where the financial, you know, uh, the financial understanding of how to look at your own finances, understand your rent and stuff, you know, all those things. They just weren't in the education system. You know, what are your thoughts on some of that? Share that with us. I have massive thoughts on this. So I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm quite passionate about this subject because you're right. Money well, and sex was always a very taboo subject. These are things we don't talk about. They are not, you know, we don't talk about them. So the money one has got to be my biggest bugbear, because if you don't understand money and you don't understand how it works, how are you supposed to run a house or a business or just your personal finances? Just just that, you know, it becomes really hard. And I think, you know, for me, that starts with education. So we're already part of a scheme from the local councils that are going into school. So it is starting, it's supposed to be starting this month, actually, mm. where we go in and we actually talk to people starting from the age of seven, actually, which is lovely. Um, just kind of to explain a little bit that, you know, you have money come in and you have to pay for these things. And like I said earlier, you know, with my children, we are very open about it. So they understand that everything in the house, it does cost money. You know, you have to pay to be there, to live there, to have all these things. And I think it's just something where it wasn't spoken about before. As a child, for me, I didn't understand that. I didn't know that it costs money to be in your house. I'm at home. I don't really, you know, this isn't. And I guess it's kind of nice because you don't ever want to scare the kids. I don't want, that's not my plan. I don't want to scare all these children to think that, oh my goodness, you know, everything costs all this. But I think having that understanding and it being something you can talk about will not only help with the actual performance of those children moving forward and and how they behave and you know maybe it is not getting something on a credit card just because actually that peer pressure and and things the mistake that we were talking that we've already made before you know we sort of don't want that to happen and maybe if we had been a bit better educated we wouldn't have made those decisions so I think that's something I'm really really passionate about at the moment which I'm working on and like I say we're already in a scheme that's going into schools and going to be sort of helping educate sort of children as well 
So, yeah, very, very passionate about this subject. Well, I am very, very passionate about it, too, because I know that you're going to be absolutely amazing for those kids, for those schools and to be able to help them to to move forward. And I know that you want to do more of this going forward to to help spread the message, you know, to educate and use your experience um, to to really help and, and make an impact for others. So if there are people that are listening to this right now and they would like you to come and talk to their team, to their school, to anybody, how can they actually get in touch with you, Leanne, and, and reach out? Literally shout out. So we are www. It's the longest one ever, but accounted for forltd.co.uk. Um, I'm sure Mel can put some contact details in there on. Um, and yeah, just honestly reach out. So for me, I think yeah, teaching finance with entrepreneurial spirit. So if I'm allowed to, two, I'm going to tell you one more um little clip which actually inspired me more to be more passionate about this education thing because my eldest son is in secondary school. So I was really excited when he came home and showed me this question that he was doing. And this question was like, you know, you are a a caretaker. You earn this much money. You have this much tax taken off. You can choose these houses that you live in. And there was like choices of, you know, a five bedroom house, a one bedroom flat. You can use a train. You can use a car. You can if you buy this house, you have to furnish it with this. And there was all these little options that they had to. you know, Yes, they've simplified it, but it was brilliant. I was like, this is amazing. You know, they're yeah. actually teaching these guys that every month you have to pay something. And then my son, maybe it's because of how I talk to him. His calculations, he he got told he was cheating because he did the calculation. And this is why he bought it home. So he bought it home because he's like, he wanted me to do it. And he wanted me to see what he had done. And he was absolutely just flattened, completely flattened by it. And I was going through his answer and I was like, well, you know, this is brilliant. This is exactly what, you know, I would have chosen. This is fantastic because he had then gone on. He had enough money left to pay for another mortgage. So if he paid for another mortgage, well, he could rent it out. So then he'd have some more income. The teacher told him he was cheating because actually that's just entrepreneurial flair. My eldest, which I was so proud, was thinking that he can buy a house and he can rent it out. Then he'd have extra income. So then he could afford to do, you know, maybe it's to have a car instead of the train, whatever, you know, whatever it was. Um, and he was really really proud of it and then this yeah when the teachers kind of flatten this thing and I get it everyone's different which I think is what I was trying to say before is emotionally I think some people are entrepreneurs and and some people aren't but you know maybe he has got some of me tucked inside him and you know actually we don't want to flatten that so educating about money isn't about flattening entrepreneurial spirit or saying you can't do something it's just about having an understanding and you know for me for Jack to know that's an understanding you could do that you know I could actually have this house and rent it out for me that's a win I was so proud I couldn't be more proud (laughs) I was like yeah but he was gutted so it's like that education just needs to you know we need to make sure that entrepreneurial spirit stays in people that that have it because it's it's an amazing trait to have. And if you've got it, then use it. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. And I'm glad that you shared it with us. It, it just again, it just goes to show that so many more people can be educated on the opportunities that are out there for, you know, for them, for a lot of people. Some of the richest people in the world don't have the most wealthiest jobs they've just invested their money the right way and they've done the right things there was a brilliant book it was the I think it's the psychology of money um, that I was reading 
that was saying if you believe in in risk then you also have to believe in a little bit of luck but also it's the education that goes with it it was a very I guess I know that a lot of us as entrepreneurs don't like to talk about luck too much because it's there's always a bit of luck risk. in there yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a little bit of t- divine timing that comes into things I agree or who you know and and those connections in the universe out there um but it, you know but there is that it is about helping those people that are making are educating our you know next generation to understand that and also that person that you know I don't know them personally but the person that was making that assumption and making that decision on whether something was right or not might not have the right money mindset themselves or understand they might understand basic maths and and you know simple finance of of what you know subtraction or how to survive but actually they've never even understood that side of things themselves so I think there's a lot more work to be done um, around the mindset for for money for people as well and um, oh that's another whole podcast in itself Leanne right it is we'll come to that one at a later date Sharif (laughs) yeah we'll have some Prosecco over tea on my birthday when I'm not working perfect (laughs) you can love it well thank you ever so much for coming on the podcast to this today and um I really hope and uh, your your talks in the school go really well I know they will you'll absolutely smash it but I I hope it gets you know bigger and bigger from here and that you create the impact that you're really looking to create in the world thank you so much thanks for listening to the emotioneering podcast with me Melissa Curran today it's been great Remember to subscribe to Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or all three. You can also come to the website, modernmindgroup.com, where you can subscribe there, stay in contact, and let us know what you really think. Give us the feedback. This is going to get better by knowing what you think. Uh, Has this given you food for thought? Has it helped you change something? What has it inspired? Let us know, because that's why we're doing it. It's all about the people, people, people. (laughs) Have a great day. And ciao for now.